Welcome to Hit The Six. It is now Sunday, the 9th of August, and it is the day after a fantastic England victory in the opening test match against Pakistan to go 1-0 one, one up. Uh, and it's been another sweltering weekend. Uh, great weather for cricket. The Bob Willis Trophy's in full swing. I finally won a game of club cricket yesterday and took a wicket. So there's Great. many, many things to be happy about. M- Michael, how are you? Um, yeah, I'm good. It's been hot, hasn't it? But, you know, you can't complain about it being hot. Most of the time we complain about it not being hot. So when it is hot, I think we just can't moan about it too much. Um, just stay in the shade if you're if you like me and you've got a fair complexion and you burn very easily. But yeah, I'm having a lovely time um, enjoying the heat and I really did enjoy the test. But how, how, what, what was your economy rate, Rob, is my question. Uh, not, not brilliant. It was, well, it was just over four. Uh, we were on the, the far left-hand wicket, the far left-hand strip for this game, with a, which is therefore the offside, where I was bowling, the offside was, is downhill, rock hard, rapid outfield. So all it took was a, a block past cover and it's four runs every time. So that's my excuse as to why um, I went over four and over. We weren't playing a very good side, so we won by 120 runs. Wow, big win. Um, yeah, good win. Um, our captain took six for 20, so he was very happy. But um, yeah, it was, it was better. I thought it was coming out better. And the, the economy rate will start to improve, I think, as the season goes on. Certainly now that I boycotted that 2020 competition. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, we digress. The most important bit of cricket, of course, was yesterday, the fourth day, which turned out to be the final day of the England-Pakistan test. Uh, and to discuss it, and to discuss the match with a whole, Michael, uh, we've got a special guest. Do, do you want to introduce him for us? Um, well, I'll let him do most of the interviews himself, but Mataz is a friend of ours from university, uh, Pakistan supporter, and he, he, was just, he just messaged me out the blue saying, you know, can I come on? I'd love to do a bit of a feature on the Pakistan stuff, and we're really delighted to have you on. So welcome, Mataza. Hi, Mike. Hi, Rob. Yeah, it, it is a pleasure for me to be on with you guys. I heard a couple of podcasts that you guys were doing in the England-West Indies series. Not much before that, I'll be honest. But yeah, it, it was pretty good, and I thought, yeah, I might as well just join and give a bit of Pakistani insight, give Pakistani point of view. And um, firstly, I would like to start with the test match, you know, like, I mean, it was an amazing test match. Firstly, I'd like to congratulate you guys to win that game because it doesn't really happen very often, right? You're down by 100 runs at the first innings, and then you come back and win that game. So, you know, it's all about saying never say never. And uh, there have been games in the past where England has done it. So, I mean, yeah, it was a big moment. So I'll just firstly start with congratulating you guys. I mean, I, I follow um, an account on Twitter called Crickviz, and then I follow most of the people who work for them because that's the kind of content I really like to see. And um, their win percentage uh, likelihood um, for England when we were five down, Ollie Pope just got out to that absolute snort of a delivery, was 8%. So it was a really miraculous win, actually, for Wokes and Butler to pull out the bag. And, um, yeah, I did, I did not see it coming. Feel like that. Mataza, where did you see it going wrong, Pakistan? Where did it, obviously it went right in terms of Butler and Wokes batted very well for England, and so a lot of credit has to go to them. But where do you think, why, how do you think Pakistan let that slip out of their fingers? Because really, they, five wickets, 160 runs, a not brilliant wicket to bat on. You would think with that bowling attack that they would have got the job done. So why don't you think they did? That's a good point, Rob, you know, like, it, fair enough, like, you know, all credit to England to come back from that kind of a stage and win that game. But you know what, we need to take a hard look at Pakistan's performance. Like, you're taking a lead of 107 and then you're letting the game slip away. 
firstly, I was disappointed with the batting performance, you know, like we have to come onto the ball in later, but it was like getting bowled out for 169 and the 30 runs have come from Yasser Shah's bat who bats below seven or something, the tail ender basically. So batsmen really let us down, you know, and I think we were getting into positions and batsmen just throwing those starts away. It's a bit of complacency seeking in the way Pakistan bowled in the first innings. They were like, okay, you know, I think we have got enough and, you know, whatever we go on to get from here, we've got a lead of 100. So it was a bit disappointing, you know, Abid Ali shot. And I think in test matches like these, it is very important that a moment of brilliance in the field. And I feel like Dom Sibley's run out of us at Shafiq at that point was very important. And at that point, you know, I think Rizwan and Asad Shafiq had both gone into their 20s and things were starting to look a bit easier for Pakistan. Not much was happening for England. They were playing Dom best pretty comfortably. And I think that was a moment of brilliance from Dom Sibley running Asad Shafiq out. And then, you know, like, I mean, you said enough about that guy called Ben Stokes. He comes in, runs in, narrow board in the game and then picks up two wickets. But then that was pretty poor for Pakistan in the batting department. A bit more application than the Pakistani batsmen would have helped. And then in the bowling, I think got a few points to talk about. Um, I don't know if you guys want to bring this up now or something like when Pakistan's performance after England were 124-5. Well, just quickly, worth talking as well. As Ali, a bit of a tough test for him as well. I mean, failure with the bat in the first innings, not much better in the second innings. And I guess it's kind of a nice segue into the bowling, but I felt his captaincy was a bit loose, especially winning them a five down, I felt that Pakistan didn't drive home that advantage, didn't really go in for the kill. And I thought his fields were quite negative, to be honest, considering the position of ascendancy they were in. And it let Butler and Wokes just sort of play pretty safe cricket after T to getting into getting them to the win. So I thought not a brilliant test from him. Yeah, hugely negative, I thought. I, was, I couldn't believe it. I was obviously playing at the time, but I watched the extended highlights on BBC this morning. And... The amount the field was out and for so long, and there's a lot of talk in commentary about Butler and Wokes effectively treating it like a run chase in a one-day game. And when you have sweepers on the leg side, offside, very few men around the bat when the spinners were bowling, only maybe one or two slips when the seamers are bowling, it feels like a one-day field. It just almost felt like it played into Butler and Wokes' hands and then they could play risky shots without the fear of losing their wickets, knowing that hit it aerially and get a single because there's no one in the ring and just getting out for deep. And even quite late on, England didn't need a lot. And there was still a lot of men out on the boundary. I, I was very surprised by that. It kind of felt like they were a bit spooked by Butler and his reputation. Because he came in and hit those two fours pretty sweetly early on. And it felt like Pakistan just retreated in the face of Butler, kind of going with what's on his bat handle, which I won't repeat here. But, you know, just get on with it. Because he could see we were in a tricky position. And I felt they should have counter-attacked back at him rather than letting him dominate. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And the moment I felt like I don't think Azari's captaincy was great out there. Even to begin with, there were times in the England innings when Root and Sibley were settling on and I could see a deep mid-wicket for Dom Sibley against Yasser Shah. And I thought like Dom Sibley is not that kind of a guy who will charge out Yasser Shah and hit him over mid-wicket. So I didn't really get that. Or he would play a slot sweep on day four of a test match chasing. So I didn't really get that. And he picked a couple of singles earlier there. And then again, in the, in the final phase of the game, when you're 120 for five, I don't think you can let us slip that way because, yeah, as you guys said, like quite rightly pointed out that, you know, like the field was spread out. They were picking singles quite easily. Once Josh Butler got to 20-odd after a few quick boundaries, I think there were too many men on the boundary. I think that's not the way to approach a test match because if you're going to lose, just lose with the field up instead of try to attack them because you're going you're losing it anyway by allowing them easy singles. And I think it takes me to a larger point that Azar Ali is not a natural 
captaincy contender because he was just brought in because there was no other contender to do that job when Sarfaz was kicked out. So I think that comes down to that and he's not been scoring runs as well. So it is a tough time for Azali right now. Is that the case then, Mataza? Because you've obviously, you will have watched a lot more Pakistan cricket than me and Rob. Um, do you not really rate Azhar Ali's captaincy previously? Because I've really not got any knowledge of him as a captain. I, I respect him as a batsman because I remember when he first came into international cricket and I thought he was someone who was really working hard to make the most of his talent. So, yeah, yeah I rate him as a batsman, even though he didn't do well in his test, but I don't know anything about him as a captain. Yeah, no, I, I'll be quite harsh when I say that, but I think I absolutely not like, I mean, I hope he proves me wrong, but I don't really rate him highly as captain because he did get a short stint when Ms. Bird retired in some limited overs cricket. And he kept in Pakistan for about 30 games. They had a win percentage of 40%. And there were some losses against some very weak sides as well. So I think it is a pretty difficult time with him as well. And I, and I really respect him as a test batsman because he is in that category of stage for Pujara and Dom Sibley that they'll take their time and try to score runs when the bowlers tire out. I think he's a good test batsman, but he's, I think he has some serious technical issues as well. Sky had a lot of coverage on about his on his LBW issues. He's got out in a similar way for about seven or eight times in a similar manner, and that is dating back to 2016. Something for him to sort out. And I think he definitely knows that. So hopefully, he can cover that up in his batting. He was averaging almost 50 at one point in 2016-17, but it's just kept dropping to 42 now. So a bit of concerning times. And I think yeah, he's not the most natural captain, I would say. So and I, I could see that coming to be honest. He's got a hell of a team to work with, though. I mean, I really. <laughs> I really, really, really rate this um, bowling lineup. Me and Rob were talking about it last week, weren't we, Rob? But from the like, Yasser Shah is a quality spinner, and the pace options—left arm, uh, right arm quick—and then Abbas wobbling it about—it's difficult. Um, quickly on this bowling attack, Mataza, is Nazim Shah really seventeen, and Shaheen Afridi really twenty? I feel like they're really nineteen and twenty-two. Like, I can't believe, particularly Nazim Shah, is that young and bowls that quickly. I think yeah, that, that is a bit of a doubt about that. For, I mean, Nazim Shah, I can certainly say that he doesn't look 16. You know, he was playing under 16 cricket a couple of years back as well. So, not too sure, I mean, how those ages are working. Like, I can't believe he was born in 2003. So, yeah, it's a bit tough to believe. I'll, I'll agree with you on that for sure. It's a bit dodgy out there. And either way, I mean, even if he's not 17, he's, he's still visibly young. And very, very good. He really gets into the contest. Like, he likes to send off. Yeah. That is what I liked about him. You know, I'll get, I mean, uh, I think it would be a good point for me to bring that. I could see the attitude between, okay, they're very different bowlers, like Jofra Archer and Nassim Shah. And you could kind of see that Nassim Shah bowls 140 plus and goes into the eye of the batsman, really likes to follow through and run up to the batsman. I don't know, sometimes I feel, is it just English cricket or like the way it's played? Because I couldn't see that kind of an attitude from Jofra Archer. He's not making that kind of an impact, like bowling 90-plus and running up to the batsman, letting him know he's out there. What do you guys think of Joe Rogers' bowling generally? I, I think he gets undue attention because we expect so much from him. I read a, yeah. a piece yesterday, or two days ago, comparing him to like England discovering a new Craig Overton. And I just replied directly to the journalist saying, that is an outrageous thing to say. Like, that is just, to me, so absurd, comparing Joe Rogers to Craig Overton. I think he's going to keep getting better. I thought he actually had an okay test, not his best test, but he had an okay test. And I'm not really understanding why let's focus on him again after a win. But I, I don't think he is an out-and-out fast bowler like we were expecting because he's got a lot of skills as well. And I think he kind of, for him, he's got a touch player almost in terms of like when he bowls fast and it's really in a contest and he can crank it up. And, yeah. But I don't think we can expect him to do it all the time. 
he's a he's a tricky one. But I'm I, I'm getting frustrated about people are treating him, and that Root came out and publicly backed him. I don't think there's a need to publicly back him right now. He's bold. I think he's bold fine this summer. I mean, he's not going to look back at 2020. It's never going to be the summer of Joffrey Archer. He bowled brilliantly, but he's done fine. You know, seven out of ten, job done. And I think on the kind of Matars, what you're saying about that aggression following through to the batsman sort of thing, I think it's often a, an attitude yeah. of, of the kind of bowler they are, but what they're like as a personality. So I think of guys like um, Kagiso Rabada or earlier Andre Nell, South African bowlers who are really aggressive and would follow through and snarl at the batsmen. Um, but then you have other fast bowlers who are far more laid back. Joffre being you know, one example, he would, um, and Courtney Walsh kind of similar, would bowl quickly, bowl bounces, but they wouldn't be in the batsman's face being aggressive. But actually, sometimes you see James Anderson, even though he bowls slower, he'll really kind of make a surly comment, give the yeah. batsman a look. He's got a bit more of a snarl to him. And that's not reflected in his bowling because he bowls much slower, you know, swing, skillful bowling. But yeah. I think there's definitely a personality thing there. And Joffre just is kind of relaxed, attitude and how he plays the game just means that hostility doesn't just isn't quite in his nature in the same way if someone comes at him he gives it back like we saw him get into confrontations not like you know face to face but he jacked up his speeds remember that i think that spell he bowled to matthew wade at the end of um, at the oval test at the end of the ashes last year it was quick it was nasty um and he has that in him but like other bowlers you mentioned rob who maybe aren't so into their hostility all the time, but when they get poked, they've got it there. So I think he belongs in that kind of category for me. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And I think, yeah, it, it, all, all it comes down to is he picking wickets. And I think, yeah, we need to respect as well in his game that he's pretty still young in his test career. And I think he'll only get better from here. Yeah, I think Kermit Freedy as well, as well as Nassim Shah, Freedy's a wonderful bowler. I, I really impressed him in the World Cup last year and he's looking great yeah. again. It's a great attack. I was just saying, yeah, like, yeah, we can't be too critical of what Shaheen and Asim are out doing out there because it's like six or seven test match for them and they haven't played against a lot of quality opposition away from home. So I think they're pretty good bowlers. There will be some issues in their bowling, which I think they've got a good management within Vakar units to try to tackle that as well. And uh, I think it is a pretty good attack. I, I, on one point on Abbas, I think he's a fantastic bowler as well. Like, I mean, to have that kind of a skill at ATMP, I just Nasser Sain was saying in commentary that you need to be ridiculously skilled to get away at that pace and he's pretty skilled at that. But I felt like at sometimes, you know, like I mean, there are bowlers of that category, Warden Philander or Glenn McGraw, Mohammad Asif would consistently hit those 130s and pick up their wickets by not allowing anything to the batsman. I felt like Abbas was a bit more manageable in the second and third spell because the ball was just not going through. I mean, the keeper had to come up at times. Of course, that was also because that's when really in the crease, but he was bowling like in uh, like late 120s. I think that becomes a bit of an issue, I think. You're right, but he looks a lot more threatening in the beginning of the season. Is yeah. there any chance we might see Wahab Riaz this tour? That's what we all want. That's what the punters want to see. I, I think they have they have got him in there in that, well, however many big squads they have got nowadays. They have got him there, but he took his retirement from Red Bull Cricket, but it was the management making a request to him that, you know what, we need you because you've got quite an inexperienced attack. So I'm not too sure if management is really fond of him right now because he just left red ball cricket. But I think we need to respect that he's almost 35 or 36. So I, I think we might see him, but I, I think the management might just continue with this attack for the second test match. You never know. I think it was two years ago, I was at a, a stag do at Old Trafford and watched Derbyshire v Lancashire in a T20 game. 
And Wahab Riaz bowled one ball that sadly the um, speedo wasn't, wasn't on. So I don't know how quick it was. And it wasn't a televised game. It was a Yorker and he bowled. He bowled. I think he was Livingston, he bowled. Um, but I reckon, having seen his whole spell and other bowlers bowl, whatever, I think it's one of the quickest balls I've ever seen. It must have been 92, 93. He wasn't bowling that quickly generally. But he'd just been hit the six. And the next ball he bowled was so quick. Stumps flying. Uh, and that's why I love to see that. It's quite that longish but receding hair, angry, bowling quickly. Yeah. He's, he's a great man. I've always loved Wahab Riaz. Yeah, and he, he, he does really well against England. <laughs> like he loves playing us. Yeah. Well, most of the Pakistani bowlers do do well against England. And Pakistan just generally do very well against us. I think we're quite evenly matched sides often. The last couple of times they've come over here have been draws. Uh, I mean, we've certainly been pumped in the UAE a couple of times but I think that's just because of our lack of quality spin options but the, those seem swing bowlers often that Pakistan have produced Amir Asif Awazim Akram uh, even like Umar Gold's taken lots of wickets in England they definitely enjoy bowling in English conditions and, and make the most of them No definitely definitely Mataza would you um, be making any changes to the Pakistan team for the next match? I think one questionable spot that is in the team right now is of Shadab Khans because he's been picked as a batsman and a bowler. But I think the question is because he just bowled about 12 overs in total in the game and he's been picked as a fifth bowler. So that becomes the question that are we a batsman short? Should we bring in a specialist batsman? Because they've got someone like Fawad Alam who scored about, uh, I mean, runs at one of the highest first class averages in the world. He averages over 50, uh, 56 almost in first-class cricket. So do they bring him in as a specialist batsman? But then again, like, I think Shadab Khan is, is the, I think, uh, and I tell you what, uh, you know, like, I feel like Shadab Khan's got a lot of talent. He's about uh, in his early 20s, and I think he, he will rise as one of the stars in, in the future. But is he ready for test cricket? He hasn't played a lot of t- test cricket, and I don't think that captain's too confident in giving him the ball. And that, that was very evident. He was coming in as a fifth bowler in both of the innings, so there was no confidence on him as a player. So uh, as a bowler, and he hasn't played a lot of test uh, like first class cricket either recently. So that is a question. We might see another batsman coming in, mm-hmm. uh, in in the next test match, but we never know. And and I think I, I think you guys would know that better. It also depends on the conditions. What is yeah. the Southampton pitch being like? Well, in the, in the first West Indies test, it was a bit low and slow. It wasn't great, really. I it was just a bit of a nothing pitch. Wouldn't you say, Michael, that's a fair assessment? Yeah, no, there wasn't a huge amount. It, it, it was, well, Jason Holder did very well, didn't he? And it was very, you couldn't get much pace out of it. Yeah, um, it was, I, think, I think it's a pitch that Muhammad Abbas will enjoy. It's just, just, it will do a little bit for him. It won't do much for anyone else. So I think he'll do well on it. I think what, well, on reflecting on Shadab Khan and Pakistani bowling attack, I think one thing they lacked in that last innings was a spinner who could just, well, that's what England lack as well, really, who could just hold up an end and yeah. keep things tight. Because both Yazir Shah and Shadab, both being wrist spinners, both being quite aggressive wrist spinners, you know, they take wickets, can get the ball to really spin. Shadab's got those great googlies. But you're not confident that you can just have them ticking over at 1.5, one and over for a few overs to dry up the runs. They're always going to maybe leak a boundary every so often, but will take wickets as well. And then missing that sort of that glue, that bowler you can chuck the ball to and let them bowl 10 overs at one end, go for 15, not take a wicket, and then allow you to rotate your more attacking bowlers at the other end. 
I think that's something that both teams lack, actually. But I, I noticed that in that final innings. Yeah, I'm. No, I, I'll be honest. I have no idea what Pakistan are going to do, but I do feel like I know he's an attacking option. His economy wasn't great in the second innings because he got because they went after him a bit. But I think you've got Yasir Shah. He's one of the world's best spinners. So maybe if you're not going to bowl your second spinner that much and you've got confidence in your first spinner because it's Yasir Shah, then maybe you do bring in that extra batsman. Yeah, and it's a question for you guys as well that, you know, okay, they do, I can clearly see that they do rate Dombas pretty highly and he, he has been interested with this role. But on a wicket that we saw some spin coming into play, he just got two wickets in the game and one was in the first inning was Shadab Khan's ridiculous shot starting down the track and the second inning is Abed Ali playing a bit of a nothing shot. It was a good plan, I think, it's Abed Ali. So that was a fair wicket to some extent. But did Dombez do enough as a bowler? I, I, I'm all like, throughout the summer, I've been really tempted to play Jack Leach at some point. And given Pakistan's record against left-arm spinners and the number of right-handed batsmen we have, I would be tempted to bring in Jack Leach. I mean, fair enough, Dombez is pretty talented, but he's pretty young, I think. So I think the rational part of me, Rob knows what I'm going to say, and he's going to groan. The rational part of me says, yes, Jack Leach, because me, Don Best, hasn't done enough. I know they like him, and he's clearly made of the right stuff and all that. But for me, I, I, I think there's a reason Jack Leach has been the spinner at Somerset for however many years, and Don Best is the number two, sometimes in the second level for them. But actually, Rob, you're going to hate it, but Adil Rashid should be in contention again. He bowled with wonderful control against Ireland, he looks like the spinner he was a couple of years ago. He's fixed his shoulder. He's got the fizz back. And I and he adds a little bit of batting, which at least doesn't do. I want Adil Rashid, and I'm going to keep campaigning for him until he eventually plays Test cricket again. Just to paint a, a visual image for our listeners, um, I'm currently sitting topless in my boiling kitchen, head in hands, staring into a white wall. As for Matarza, this must be the... The 15th, 16th time I've recorded something with Michael where when there's no real reason to or logic or rationale behind it, Michael launches another lecture on why Adil Rashid is the best spinner in the world and why he has to be in the England test team. I'm, I'm with you, Matilda. I think Jack Leach should play. Don Best is, I suppose, a little bit of... I mean, well, it's hard to say for him, but he, they like his attitude. He's a good fielder. He can bat a bit. But his bowling has never really been that impressive. Uh, he took a fifer against South Africa in the winter, but that was more bad batting than good. Without turning a single delivery. Yeah, and actually that's what we see in this test. We see more often than not his wickets are from bad batting rather than him. Is he going to be that spinner who's going to bowl a team out on the final day of a test match? No. Exactly, might be. Adil Rashid might be granted, Michael, but I, but I just think that ship sails. He's, he's had his chances... He's unlikely to come back in. And even practically with the coronavirus bubbles, he seems to be very much being the one-day team bubble. I, I agree with you practically he won't come in now. I, I, I put a bit of money on him going on um, the subcontinent tours. He said he's available for selection again. And if, you, if on pitches where you could pick three spinners, it'd be madness not to have Rashid as one of them. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think and he's, he's a risk spinner. We don't have many risk spinners. I think it's good to take one on those kind of trips. I'd, I'd pick, going back to Matarza's initial point, I'd pick Leach for this test. I probably would as well, rationally. I mean, Don Best was unlucky because it's worth saying that Sean Massoud, who obviously got that fantastic 100 in the first innings, was both dropped yeah. and then a misstumping off Best's bowling. And those would have been legitimate dismissals, you know, snicked off, got him to walk past one. Um, so he was unlucky in that respect as well. But I just don't think he's, he offers enough, really. 
Yeah. Should we um should we quickly speak about the England side for the next couple of tests? Because well, there's two things for me. Well, three things actually. The pace stuff is really interesting because Anderson didn't have his best test. He's knowing his best summer, whereas Wokes is absolutely smashing it. For some reason, there's a bit of pressure on Archer, and they called in Ollie Robinson as cover, maybe because it's going to be on those low, slow, dibbly dobbly pitches. So that's really interesting. Butler kept terribly. I know he saved himself the batting, and I now would apologise for all my anti-Butler stuff because he batted brilliantly. I guess that's why you have him in the team, because he can do that. But he did keep badly, so is there now pressure on him from a keeping perspective? And finally, Ben Stokes has said he can't... It's, it's gone, it's for family reasons, because dad's sick, he has um, gone to New Zealand. So we have no Stokes, which completely throws out the balance of the side. So there's a lot to think about for England, even though we're 1-0 up. Certainly. I think with the, with the Stokes thing, I suppose with... Um, I imagine bowling would keep now Anderson, Broad, Wokes and Archer, this four-pronged seam attack. With Wokes scoring runs, uh, batting seven, he is like a, a legitimate all-rounder. As I think you can say, you can bring in, instead of Stokes, a, a designated batsman, potentially Crawley, possibly Dan Lawrence. I, I'd pick out of one of those two. And I, I, I think that's probably the way to go with, with Root back in now. Play, a, just, you know, play another batsman and give us an opportunity now for someone to put their hand up and score some runs and, and look to cement their place in the, in the team going forward. So I think that's probably what we'll do instead of Stokes. With, the, um, with Butler's keeping, oh, it, was, it was really bad. And it wasn't just the, the drop and the misstumping. There, were, there was a throw, striker's end that was miles off. There was a couple of just dropping regulation balls coming through to him from the seamers. Uh, but he spoke very frankly in the interview afterwards about that he needs to go away and work on it. And we know how much the entire England dressing room love him and want him to be their wicketkeeper. And so I think, given that, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get the rest of the summer. But there will be an expectation on him and an expectation that he puts on himself to improve markedly in his wicketkeeping. And obviously the runs he's got has kind of slightly bailed him out of any pressure on that side. So I think they'll keep Butler. I think they'll keep basically the team the same, but just swap Stokes in, obviously, because he's no longer available for a, for a batsman. I'd love to see Dan Lawrence, but it'll probably be Crawley. I do think, again, looking ahead to subcontinent, yeah, fine, Butler has admitted his mistakes, needs to go away and work on it. But I think folks will be right in contention for the subcontinent, because even though the whole team and everyone in the world wants Butler to be keeper, and that's why he still has been after two years, I think they, they, they will realise how important it is they think that to have the best keeper possible for the subcontinent, for yeah, something. I, you think that, but they never seem to actually follow through with that line of thinking. They, they, did, they did for Sri Lanka. But they thought they'd give him a go because it was, um, that, I mean, it was deemed a substandard Sri Lankan team, a good opportunity for him to cut his teeth. But over time and again, over the last 30 years of English cricket, they always seem to go for the keeper who can bat well rather than just the Could best one, per se. Could it be also confidence for, I mean, Joss Butler, because they keep saying that he's a pretty neat wicketkeeper generally. And, and, and until the last test match, he was pretty horrible. And like the amount of pressure it was on him, maybe this 80-odd helps him and then gets back, get back into his groove a little bit. What, what if you guys made up as wicketkeeping generally before this test match? He's a good keeper. I think he's a good keeper against pace. I don't think he's proven that he can keep against spin well. Would you think that's fair, Rob? I, I think that's fair. I, I mean, his errors behind the, the stumps to the seamers, particularly in the third innings of the match, were quite uncharacteristic and surprising. Um, but I've always, there's always been a slight question mark with him up to the stumps. And it was, it was marked against um, Rizwan, who's a fantastic wicketkeeper. Brilliant. I mean, the difference between the two of them was quite 
striking. And as Butler's head dropped, there was also, because the other thing that Rizwan bought, which was fantastic, was the, the noise and the energy. He was chirping all the time. He really knows how to appeal in a quite an aggressive and excitable way. So he was really going up hard for LBWs. And in comparison, there was just the an energy and a fizz and a quality of glove work that Rizwan was bringing that Butler wasn't. And I think that was quite striking compared to maybe wicketkeepers we've seen, other international wicketkeepers we've seen in the past. Because I thought he had a, Rizwan had a particularly good game behind the stumps. And it just further highlighted his weakness. But I think there's two opportunity now for two test matches for Butler to really improve, knuckle down. He's, I mean, he's spoken in his interviews with great intent about, he knows that he's was well below the required standard, but he's confident that he'll be able to make it. And I think if he does fine with the gloves in these next two test matches, he will be the wicketkeeper going into the into the winter. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I was pleased with the runs because I, I like Josh Butler. I've I've wanted him. I've wanted folks in the team. That's not because I don't like Butler, you know. So I was pleased that he made the runs. Um, but yeah, should we just very quickly talk about the Ireland one day series? I mean, I was actually really pleased with the final match because I like Ireland. I think England were a little bit complacent, maybe. And it's wonderful to watch Paul Sterling ping it around. It really well, is. I mean, our last podcast, we made a number of comments that look horribly outdated within minutes. Firstly, we said that um, Joss Butler, it's never going to happen for him in Test cricket. He then plays a, a series-defining match-winning match innings in his final innings. We said that Chris Wokes was no longer in the runs and he scores a brilliant 84 not out to again seal victory. And we said that Arlings just weren't good enough and all their old boys were past it. And you see Paul Sterling blast 120s. They chased down 320-odd to, to win the game. So uh, I was sitting there after our, our previous podcast last week and suddenly thought, wow, we're looking um, quite the What do we game. know? What do we know? I mean, do we know? I, think, I think James Vince is cooked. I think his goose is cooked. This is, I feel like this is pretty near last chance for him and every single winning he did a James Vince thing of getting to 15 effortlessly and then getting out. So I think James Vince is cooked. I'm not sure they'll have been too impressed with the bowling in that final innings. And for me, the main takeaway, other than the fact that Deal Sheep bowled beautifully, the googly to Kevin O'Brien, I think in the second innings was, oh. But um, I think the main takeaway for me is how much we miss Morgan and how good a captain Morgan is when he's on the field. Yeah, and how, and how bad a captain Moeen is. I'm going to be frank. He captain really poorly. He's a good captain. He's been a good captain of Worcester, actually. I've watched their T20 run. He's, he was good for them, but he did not captain well in that game. No, he seems to have had a really weird re- comeback. Like, it's not happened for him. He bowled tight enough in the ODIs, but batting, he's looked awful. And it was not a good captaincy game for him. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen this. Like, I mean, you guys would have watched a lot more games as well. The batting hasn't really been coming through against some quality sides. Like, okay, fair enough. He scored really good. I think uh, good innings against West Indies in 2017, where he smashed a lot of sixes, but it hasn't really come off. And like in the World Cup or the last summer, batting is really under pressure for Moinali. No. Yeah, he's. I, mean, I never quite know where you stand with him because you say he can't bat anymore, and then he scores a brilliant hundred. You say his bowling's gone to pot, and then suddenly he'll come back and be man of the match and take three for 40 in a, in a one-day game. He's just, he really lacks consistency. I don't think he's a, he's, he's always, he's slightly still a luxury player. He's a touch and a form player. You can tell when his confidence is up, he's quality, that he can so easily fall out of form. No, yeah, Moeen is a, is a funny one like that. He, sometimes he's good, sometimes not so good. And as you said, Michael, he has captain Worcester very well in 2020 cricket. But you feel in those in that context, he can lead from the front because he's that good in a county setup compared to international cricket, where he's not going to win games single-handedly very often or, or really lead from the front in the same way. 
and perhaps lacks the same tactical mouse that Morgan does. Would you say that's fair? I also think he'll feel so... He, he, he knows at Worcester, everyone backs him and he's, he's one of the best players. So I wouldn't actually say the difference between the Ireland team and the county is in a million miles. Maybe that's arrogant, but I don't think it's a million miles. But I think it's about confidence for him. And he's, he's the captain of Worcester um, and he knows he's one of the best players and he'll deliver a performance that matches that. Whereas England, he's sort of in and out and just only vice-captain for this series. And I just think you can see it in his performances. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I think that is fair. But no, it was good. We were saying about how sad Ireland aren't maybe haven't performed to the level we'd like to see them. It was great for them to get a win. But England, of course, still win the series, which is important. And then obviously followed up with a, a whole different eleven winning a, a great test match. So it's been a fantastic few days, really, for English cricket. And I, I cannot wait for... Test two to start on Thursday, although the weather is not looking good. It's glorious between now and Thursday, but towards the end of next week, it looks like there might be quite a lot of wet weather knocking around, sadly. That is a real shame. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think just to finish on that Ireland point, I think I've always been really impressed with one associate team, and it has to be Ireland, and now they've got the test status as well a couple of years back, and they had Pakistan under pressure in four innings. We had to chase it like 170 against them, and we were 30 odd for three. And then we all remember, I think in Lords, they bowling and out pretty cheaply. So they are a side, I think they just need experience, and they have got some pretty good individual players who can like develop some younger players as well over time. I think that's the thing. We, we spoke about this briefly in the last episode is that maybe their first class setup isn't as competitive as one might hope. And so it's their they maybe don't have the, the opportunity for those players they do have to develop into, into the bowlers and batsmen that, when you look at Pakistan, the players that they constantly produce every time they tour. It's been, they've toured now the last two years, every couple of years they've come back. And there's always been a couple of new players in the, in the side who uh, mm-hmm. have performed well in domestic cricket in Pakistan. And therefore, there's a natural pathway for them into the test team. Ireland, there isn't quite that same those structures in place. I think those can take a little time to build for an associate nation. But hopefully they do build them and we can see more and more because the more good international teams there are, the richer cricket the sport is generally for it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I think looking forward to the next test match, of course, weather might be an issue, but generally, like speaking from the Pakistani perspective, what they need to focus on is on their batting a little bit. Like some people, have, some of the best men have been out of touch like Asad Shafiq and Azhar Ali, these guys have played almost 75 test matches. They have delivered in the past, but they have had a bit of a barren run, so they need to step up. Abid Ali, I tell you guys, I think he, he is a good player. He just needs some time out in the middle. If he can, like, yeah, sort out some of his new ball issues, he, he will hopefully score runs. Shan Masood, we saw he can score runs. So I think it is a good lineup. They just need a bit of replication. And uh, just one final point on England batting as well. I, I really like, like, I mean, the way Olipop batted in the first innings. I was speaking to some of my Pakistani friends as well, and they were saying, like, Olipop looked like a class apart where people were struggling for runs. He just attacked Pakistan pretty confidently. Even in second innings, he got the ripper, but generally he was pretty good on the crease. And with Joe Root, I would say he is just, I, I'll still say he's an innings away from like, he's a world-class player. Every player goes through bad patches. They just need to back him and, you know, he will deliver. He just keeps getting those chances. I think that's what England will really be hoping to see Pope and Root score big runs in this upcoming test match and nail down their status as, as real top, top-class players who are scoring runs consistently in form to go with our bowlers. Because there's a slight thing that the bowlers 
have been and do bail us out, uh, particularly at home, because we've got such good swing bowlers, Broad, Wokes, Anderson, etc. Um, but having Pope and Root, who are, it seems, talent-wise, two of our real, real best, best batsmen, possibly two of the best batsmen in the world, we just want to see them kick on, score lots of runs. So it's the as much batsmen winning us games as, as the bowlers, because I, I think you'd say this is fair, Michael, but for certainly for a good four or five years, it's been the bowlers who are winning us home test matches and batsmen getting us a, enough runs yeah. that put us in a good position. I actually thought Root in the second innings looked pretty good. I know he got out at 40-odd, but it was actually a really important partnership with Sibley because it made the whole chase possible. Um, and yeah, I just hope he can step it up now Stokes is gone. And Pope looked great in the first innings. I mean, the only thing about Pope, you know, hopefully iron out as he goes, is he probably plays it a bit too much, maybe. Like, outside the off stump, and he'll occasionally give his wicket away, but he's so talented. He should score thousands and thousands of test runs, hopefully. Well, yes, hopefully. Uh, and hopefully it'll be another great test match. As I mentioned just earlier, the weather not looking brilliant in Southampton for next week. But fingers crossed that it, it stays at least dry, if not sunny, and we get another great test match and then one straight after that another one after that and the series continues in that vein the first test match did um, Matarza quickly do you think Pakistan can turn it around and win one or both of the remaining test matches and win the series or at least draw the series or do you think now it's England's series um, to win I think yeah if you look at the record you know like I mean throughout like since 90s you know 92 96 Pakistan won the series and 2001 they came from a lone test they won it 2006 and 10 weren't good tours for us but 2016 and 18 again they drew the series so they've got the ability to do well in test cricket they've got some good fast bowlers they need some bit of application from their fast bowling and a bit more and I mean hopefully the weather stays good one guy I would really like one of my favorite players is Babar Azam I want him to score some runs and I would be pretty happy if that can happen. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he batted very well for his 60-odd in the first innings. You can, I mean, he's such a class act, but you do think that he's going to hold the key to Pakistan in these last two test matches. He needs to score big runs, I think, to put you guys in a position to, to win. Michael, do you think um, England's series to lose now? Ah, well, we put ourselves in a good position, but we have lost Stokes, who's one of the best players in the world, so... If I had to put my money on it, I'd... Wait, so it's only a three-match series, isn't it? So it'd be difficult for me to say a draw. I feel like there'll be a result every test. But um, I, I, I might go one-all with a draw in Southampton because of the rain, maybe. Because I just think they're a really good team, Pakistan. And, yeah, I'd love to see Babo Azam score a ton as well, to be honest. Putting aside my partisanship, because he is such a good player. Uh, well, I, I think we're going to win the series 2-0. I think if I'm going to go with this weather-affected second test, which I'm hearing rumours of, um, knowing our lack of predictions from the last um, podcast, Michael, it'll probably be glorious sunshine, wall to wall, all five days. But um, for now, the weatherman's telling me it's going to rain. So I think that might be a rain effective draw. But I expect us to win the last test. I don't think England actually played that well a lot of the time in this game and still won. And so I think if we really played to our potential at home with that seam bowling attack, we, we should be OK to, 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 to wrap up the series and wrap up a summer of back-to-back series wins. But... We'll see. We will see. Matarza, many, many thanks for joining us. Have a lovely rest of the evening and a lovely weekend. Uh, well, sorry, lovely week to come. And um, yeah, Michael, same to you. Yeah, thanks, Matarza. Thanks, Rob. Have great weeks, both of you. All right. Thanks, Bye. Bye.